You're listening to Comedy Central. Sky Fitzgerald, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm so happy to be here, Trevor. And I have to tell you, a South African friend of mine said I should say Dislaka to start off with. <laughs> so I hope I got that right. That should mean like it's cool, right? No, you have just cursed my entire family and generations to follow. That's what you have done. Um, yes, no, you did, you did say it pretty well, actually. Um, Dislaka, which means um, things are good. Um, the reason you're on the show is because you have been nominated once again for an amazing documentary short that you have put together. And once again, it is, it is a story about something that is taking place in one of the most harrowing situations in the world right now, and that is in Yemen. Um, some people might hear about Yemen, they might hear about Saudi Arabia, the US, et cetera, but what exactly is happening on the ground right now? Well, um, there was a civil war that started in, you know, 2014, um, and Saudi Arabia intervened very quickly uh, in that war, mostly with a bombing campaign over the north of the country. And since then, there's been an air and sea blockade over uh, most of the country, preventing foodstuffs, medicine, and diesel from flowing freely in the country. And this has resulted in what's known as a human-caused famine. So the fighting's going on on the front lines, but really the the largest effect of the of the conflict is starvation. Frankly, it's the largest humanitarian um, disaster in the world at the moment, and a uh, hundred thousand people have already died of starvation, and it's estimated that another four hundred thousand could die by the end of the year um, if the status quo doesn't change. And you know that's that's seventy five. Every 75 seconds, a child would die. It's a, it's a really grim um, milestone that, that, that Yemen is racing towards. And I think a lot of people would ask the same question, which would be, how is this happening? What, what, you know, where's the United Nations or where are other countries? And how are half a million people gonna starve to death without getting any help? There's this film that was done in 40, 1946, right after World War II, called Seeds of Destiny. And I'd never heard of it before, but it's, it's, it was a short doc that actually won the Academy Award that year. And it focused on the effects of World War II on children. And so there's these shots of like kids, you know, uh, scavenging through garbage dumps for food. And right. right now, children in Yemen are scavenging leaves for food sometimes. And, you know, Nazi Germany used starvation as a tool as a weapon of war. And that's exactly what's happening in Yemen right now. Saudi Arabia is throttling the country, preventing foodstuffs from flowing in um, in a reasonable manner, and it's killing children. And the kicker is that our tax dollars are going to fund that. We're providing geopolitical cover for Saudi Arabia, um, and we're tacitly endorsing the blockade by not calling them out and forcing them to end it. So it's a quite horrible geopolitical dynamic that the U.S. is in right now. And we're calling for the Biden administration to unilaterally withdraw all support for the Saudi coalition. Your film has showcased a really interesting aspect of what is happening in Yemen. And um, the film is entitled Hunger Ward. And you take us through the journey, primarily through the lens of two healthcare givers two nurses and doctors who are looking after people in Yemen who have nothing and they're trying to keep them alive. And I mean, it's, it's truly the most against all odds story that you could come across, but you're there and you, you, you're filming these stories and, you, and you're talking to these people. The first part of my question is, how are you getting this access? Because I mean, nobody can really be in Yemen. 
And secondly, why did you choose to tell this story? Yeah, well, you know, to answer that first one, I, I thank you for doing a segment on Yemen here because um, part of the problem is that there's not enough focus on it, frankly, because access is so difficult. You know, it took us over eight months to get permission to to uh, enter the country uh, because there's basically a journalistic embargo over the country enforced primarily by Saudi Arabia and the Emiratis. So, you know, first it took us that long to get permission. And then once we were there, of course, it was, you know, it was a conflict zone. So we had to operate very, very carefully in order to, you know, uh, make sure we came back with the story, but didn't endanger any of the people we're collaborating with um, either. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm uh, one of the things that I'm really uh, believe in deeply is that I think in the media sort of ecosystem, typically we're we're far too timid um, and concerned with offending or shocking audiences. Um, and and you know, my view is that if you have the full consent and collaboration of of those you're working with and it's mm-hmm. truly a, a collaborative effort, then you really do them a disservice as well as your audience if you turn away, if, if you flinch, if, if you cut away. And I think that discomfort that comes with looking at something really difficult is really important because if we keep looking, then we can see it clearly. And, and frankly, I think it should be uncomfortable to, to see children that are facing starvation. But we need to see and we need to look at that child in order to engage, right? And to engage civil society to change that current dynamic. One of the difficult lines you have to walk as a filmmaker though, is figuring out how to tell a story that everyone around the world should at least pay attention to or understand, and also not be in the position where you're essentially creating poverty porn. That's now, right. you, you've been applauded for the way you've covered um, the, the, you know, the war in Yemen. You've been applauded for the way you've covered the, 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 the refugee crisis, you know, along that region of the world. And, and I wonder how you've managed to walk that line, you know, whether, whether it's your subjects, whether it's some of the people you've worked with, whether it's the viewers. Many have said, oh, this doesn't feel like I'm made to feel sorry for the people, but rather to understand the plight that they're going through. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I, I, I think, you know, cinema should be a force for good. Um, and I think it can be an empathy machine to use Robert Ebert's words, you know, and, and I think in order to do that when the context is so difficult, when, when the scale, you know, the stakes are life or death, you know, you have to, to work from a foundation of trust and you have to, in every act, um, provide dignity for those you're working with. That's the only way to do it. Um, you know, I, I never could have done this project if, um, if I didn't have the, the deep trust and collaboration of everyone in each one of these clinics and hospitals. And, and you know what, Trevor, that took time. Right. You know, that took time and trust and it was dynamic and we had to listen and we had to pivot and we had to alter course and evolve our approach constantly based on what was happening. And, um, and whether families wanted us to show something or not. And the thing that surprised me personally was in this particular project where the scenes are so intimate sometimes, um, almost to a T, every single family we worked with wanted us to show every stage of treatment that their child received, wow. regardless of outcome. Even when a child passed away, the family sort of almost pled with us sometimes to do our best to include it 
so that the rest of the world would know that their child had just died because there's an embargo over the country. And they feel like that's the only way that the status quo can change. So we were moved by that. And with that sort of intimacy came sort of, I felt like a burden of responsibility, right? To really execute the project with as much dignity as I could. This film is essentially part of a trilogy that um, tells the story of what is happening in that region in the world. You know, the first was, was about um, Syrian doctors treating civilians in, in, in the war. The second lifeboat was about those who have tried to flee, you know, um, to, to, to the Mediterranean and, and to surrounding areas. And this third one, Hunger Ward, is, is about what's happening when people are trapped literally within their own demise and they can't seek a better life. What do you hope the US or even people on the ground in the US could do and why should they do something? Yeah, well, the good news is we can do something and we are doing something. And, and if, if I'm thrilled by anything with sort of the movement the film is a part of, it's that because this is a, a human-caused tragedy that's unfolding right now, we can intervene on it. And especially as Americans, um, we can stop the blockade by forcing Saudi Arabia to um, open up the airport in Sana'a, in the north of the country, to allow the free flow of goods and services uh, through the port of Hodeidah, where diesel isn't flowing freely. And I, as, a, as an American who's seen this with my own eyes, I feel a deep obligation to make sure that my taxpayer dollars aren't funding the starvation of children. So really, you know, the good news is there is this movement. It's a, it's a coalition of more than 70 lawmakers that signed a letter last week urging the Biden administration to unilaterally withdraw all support for the Saudi blockade. Hollywood's getting involved. Um, you know, Ruffalo has spoken out on this consistently. Uh, Nick Kristoff, you know, the intrepid journalist, speaks right. out. Apatow. People are really starting to create a momentum for this because we have to stand up and we have to change it. Well, hopefully the film is the first step. Congratulations on documenting the journey and uh, hopefully... To, to your point, something will get done. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and yeah. uh, take care. Thank you. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.